they're on. Okay, so what we're in the middle of doing is, um, I guess we call it, this is sort of the, the warm-up, how to learn Yerushalmi, all the problems of learning Yerushalmi. Um, I'm going to I'm going to try to um, try to illustrate that. Thank you for the dramatic introduction. <laughs> I'll bring drums next time. Um, and after we after we finish going uh, finish going uh, going through an illustration uh, through the sugya of the Yerushalmi, and I'm frank that, and it's part of the, the way I'm teaching it, that it doesn't matter to me so much which way you end up thinking what you end up thinking pshat and this, this Yerushalmi is. I just want you to understand what the problems are with learning pshat in the Yerushalmi. Uh, and it's very, pretty clear about why it doesn't matter so much here, because in the end of the day, almost everybody is going to end up learning with, uh, with learn, learning the way the Babli says it, and they think the Babli is fairly clear. So the Yerushalmi is sort of an intellectual exercise. That it will not be the case in the next in the next uh, The next Yerushalmi, what the Yerushalmi, right, the Yerushalmi says, uh, will be pretty dramatic. You want your own? Sure. You want? You might as well. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Um, Okay, so that's the, um, and we're also going to do um, the next story sheet. Just said it right, right. So you will, what I'm trying to show you here is the way in which Meforshim often backread the Bavli into the Yerushalmi. And but that's easy to see and evaluate when you've seen the Bavli first. In the next sugya, we're going to do the Yerushalmi without having seen the Bavli necessarily, the Bavli, and so. You can evaluate things right without reference to that, and we'll see and see what you think. Because right, also a bias, if you think that you know, if I bias you, if I say, "Oh, look, he's just reading the Bible into the Rishonim." Uh, okay, Matthew, you need a source sheet. Okay, so let's let's set up where we were, and and then we'll we'll go on a little bit forward. Okay, so what we began by showing you is that our text of the Rishonim, right, this is page one of the source sheet. Uh, our text of the Yerushalmi has a very clear structure. Um, the clear structure is there are two, right, two columns, right, lead que- right, which are lead questions. Are one is hit uze et ze, and one is hit an balabayit. And the challenge is that hit uze et ze is the language of the Mishnah, but hit an balabayit is not the language of the Mishnah. So we don't know, right? So looking, if the Yerushalmi is set up that way, then we're not entirely sure of what it's trying to do. Is it trying to explain the Mishnah? Is it not trying to explain the Mishnah? And I hypothesize that it's trying to explain a Brita, as a po- right, which has both of these phrases in it, but nobody else suggested that, so we're going to leave that be, uh, we'll leave that be for now. Uh, in those two columns, right, so, right, so the way our text of the, of, the Yerushalmi, of the Yerushalmi has it, so one column is, the Hituzetzeh column is labeled you guys come and work with me. And then there's a case where, where, where the dialogue goes, right, they answer five and it turns out it's ten. They answer ten and it turns out it's five. The other column is, come work with your friends. And there the numbers are reversed. It's ten to five and five to ten. Um, right, so it's the mirror image of the, of, the, of the cases in the first column. But what's consistent is that the right is, if, if you're looking at the col- right so, eight, right so um, if you think of it as like a Venn diagram, <laughs> uh, right so the right so in the in the uh, in the bottom in the in the bottom half right all the cases the cases are labeled Yomin in the top half the cases are labeled Ruba right those are just if you reduce it to equations, right that's the structure of the uh, that's the structure of the um, 
of the Bavli, and we showed you that the Ritva, uh, in his version of the in his version his quotation of the Yerushalmi, doesn't have lots of this. He doesn't have the, the he doesn't have the column head, headings. Right? He doesn't have Hitu Zed Zed Maho, and he doesn't have Hitu Balabayit Maho. And he doesn't right, uh, he doesn't and instead of uh, um, you guys come work with your friends, let's watch with the way his two columns are headed. The first one column is headed, Amarlun, Imi Atun Avdin. He says to them, You guys come work with me. And the other column is labeled Imach Anan Avdin. We will work with you. Right, so the right, so the the characters are different. Right, the the who's, the mi amar and is different. Right, in in our version, column one is you guys work with me. Column two is you guys work with your friends. In his ver, in, right, the Ritva's version, column one is you guys work with me, and column two is right, we will come work with you. And that will change, right, with, right, uh, right, what you're, what's going on, um, and he only has right, and he only has one case in each column. So we don't know, right? We don't we don't really know what the relationship of the ritva is to um, is to our sugya. Um, what the ritva says, though, explicitly is the way he understands. The way he understands Yerushalmi. Um, right, this is where we start, right under under the adkan of the ritva. He says, "Veresha hat os polim lebalabayis, vesefa hat os balabayis lepolim." And he says that the way the Yerushalmi reads the reads the Gemara, case one is. Uh, right, case one is the um, the poem trick the balabayas. Case two is the balabayas trick the poem. Meaning that he understands Yerushalmi as reading the Mishnah the way we would have understand under, read the Mishnah Pashut. Right, that hitu zedze means the poem trick the socher to omnin v'hitu zedze. So the poem hitu socher omnin v'hitu zedze. Right, so one case is where zedze means the the poem and the balabayas, and they trick each other. Right, that's the, that is the, uh, right, that's, the Ritva reads the Gemara in a simple way, and then he says, so why didn't the Bavli read it that way? Because we know the Bavli didn't read that way. The Bavli only offered, uh, right, two possibilities. Either it's talking about Chazru, or we need an intermediary, right, a middle, right, we, we, need, we need a poil, right, as a higher earth. Why didn't the Bavli, why didn't the Bavli do that? Um, so the, so the, the Ritva says the reason is just that the language didn't seem to work. Okay. The language, the language didn't seem to work, um, and, right, and that's right, he doesn't he doesn't give a he doesn't give a substantive explanation. Okay, that's the ritva. Um, the um, the Thaymosha, right, Thaymosha tries to read right page two tries to read our sugya and tries right and it turns out to be the right like you can see, you can see how all the beauty of the symmetry is ruined. In the Thaymosha's commentary. In order to read our sugya, it turns out that reading our sugya, um, at our text, as, as is, as much as he can, turns out to be a mess, particularly in, right, in case number four. Right? So let's take a look. Aiti Atun Avdin. That's the second case. So what he says is, Kilomar, Inami Ifcha, what's the reverse case? Shalomar len bo v'tasun chavirim umnini chesacharti otan Okay, the only way that the Moshe can make sense of the last case is to say that it's talking about Kablanim as opposed to Polin. Even though he learned the first three cases as dealing with Polin, the fourth case, right, when you, right, if you're trying to keep the text of our Gemara, only makes sense with Kablanim. And it gets to be, right, it get, it gets to be a, a, a total mess, right? At the end he says, right, they only have Taromit. Why? 
Because they say, if we had known we wouldn't make so much, we wouldn't have hired ourselves. If we had known the work wouldn't be so heavy, we wouldn't have hired ourselves. And so Peimosha ends up right with a, right, with, a, with, if you think the symmetry of the sugya is supposed to be right, pretty neat, what each side is, right? So introducing a distinction between polim and kablonim in one case is just a mess. And you end up forced to make all sorts of halachic claims about what, right, about what you can, um, about what, what you get only taromen for as opposed to money for, um, which you have no basis for other than you just, right, it's the only, the only thing you can do to read. Okay, and now he reads the whole thing. Right? Now the way, the way he tries to keep the, the structure going, which is right, pretty, uh, pretty complicated, is um, right, the, right, the first half, Right, which is the way our story. The first half is talking about the polim tricking each other, and the second half is about the balabayas tricking the umanim. But he has no case for the umanim trick the balabayas. So he's forced to say, ah, well, the first half is interpreting the Mishnah, which says zeze, and that's the polim tricking each other. And the second half is a case which isn't in the Mishnah, which is the balabayas, right, which is the balabayas tricking the uh, tricking the umanim. Okay, it also is a really un, right, un, uh, unattractive interpretation of, right, of what's going on in the Sugya. Okay. Uh, so we gave you the... Um, the um, Ripa's version of the Yushalmi, though, seems to work well with the text in that it's that, you know, it's that that has that symmetry between, uh-huh. you know, and it's also Kitu and not Chazru. Uh-huh. Right? So... Ritva is, abso- Ritva is absolutely what we would have said the Yerushalmi meant if but we had... The, the Ritva's Yerushalmi seems to... Match, match the Mishnah. Match the Mishnah. Absolutely. Right? The Yerushalmi, right? Ritva's Yerushalmi, is, it sounds like shot in the... Right? What we want the Mishnah to mean. Right? It says he too, and it says that's it. Right? So the question is, why doesn't the Bavli learn, right? why doesn't the Bavli learn that way if it's so obvious? Right? So remember, when we learned the Bavli, we kept asking, why isn't the Bavli learning the obvious shot? Well, maybe it's really impossible. Now the Ritva comes along and says it's not impossible. It's right there. Now that question only arises according to the Ritva because he has a girsa of the Yerushalmi that makes that fits fits really neatly. So then we can say, okay, what are we supposed to do with our Yerushalmi? I don't know. Right? And Moshe doesn't right, does, right none of the Achronim say let's throw out that we see none of the, let's just throw out the text of the Yerushalmi we have and replace it with the Ritva's Yerushalmi, which is beautiful. And then we say, okay, and what about, well, the Bavli is forced? What do we do if the Bavli is forced and the Ritva sounds really glot? Right, what do we do? Right, can we pass him like the, like the Yerushalmi? Nobody's really going to do that. Right, nobody's really going to pass him like the Yerushalmi over the Bavli. Uh, okay, right, so I'm fine. Right, this is, you know, if, when you decide what should we do, what should we be doing? You know, it's, it's tempting to say, well, the Ritva is beautiful. Um, both the text is the text is neat, and the um, and the result is a trot in the Mishnah, and it's true it's going to have certain halakhic implications that are might be bothersome because the Bavli has all these sensible things like oh that shouldn't work that shouldn't work that right that's why the Bavli does this, but okay worst comes to worst we can do and that's what I showed you that right that we do in the uh, in the Fidushia Rashba we can say the Rishali makes perfect sense and the Bavli thought it was wrong the halacha. And so we reject it. So now we can have our intellectual cake, because we know what shot in the Mishnah is, and our lucky cake, because we don't care what shot in the Mishnah is. <laughs> uh, okay, right. So we can do that, right? But it's you know it's it's kind of a pity to, right, to reach a conclusion. Well, that's really beautiful, and then just say okay, but tough. <laughs> right? It's not so easy to do. 
Okay, so I want to bring you to just um, right. So that was the last thing we saw was the Rashba. Uh, right, we're skipping the Ridbaz who tries to right, the Ridbaz is a good example of someone who's trying to have it both ways, where he tries to take the take the Ridfus text and then say, what would the Ridfus text be like if we had four units instead of two units and we had column headings? Well, we have to change a few things here and there from our text, right? Because the Ridfus doesn't have Yoman as opposed to Ruban, so we're gonna have to change all the Yomans to Rubans. And we'll have to flip the numbers, but and we'll have to change a few of the pronouns, but basically we can get the means right, the means something like that. Right? It's a nice try. It's a nice try. We didn't we're not you know, we're not gonna spend all the time getting under, but that's what he we you know, I want to try to show structurally what he's trying to do. He's trying to get right he, right, he has a historical thing which sounds reasonable, and he has a and he has a text which doesn't match it, and he's trying to Right to get what he thinks is right a reasonable historical position into the into the text as he has it sort of. Okay, it's not this it is not one of the great successes I think, uh, but the effort is noble. Okay, Bukhilas um, Kvodo. I say like we're all big fans of the Ridbaz, not least because there was I was wrong. Great grandfather, great great grandfather, uh, right? Got Smitha from him. Uh, Okay, by all accounts, like he was one of the the great the great Rabbanim of the early twentieth century, um, moving back and forth between Europe and Chicago. Uh, and his big thing in life was to get his parish in the Rishonim Pal, which is in fact a, it's a really it's an amazing contribution. This so it happens not to be one of the great successes. Um, okay, so I want to take a look at this in the Shittim Kibetzim. We're now on page four. There is a Rabbi Shmuel Divich who I had never heard of before. I found him in the Shittim Kibetzim here. Uh, you can look him up on Wikipedia as much as I as much as I can. Uh, he is late 16th, early 17th century, and he right. So he said he begins by saying, So the problem is, as we mentioned last time, we don't have the rivet, so we don't exactly know what he's saying. But look, comparing it with the Rashba, it sounds like the uh, what the um, what the rivet says is something like, "Hey, the Rishali makes perfect sense in the Mishnah. I don't know what's driving the Bavli to learn it differently." That's what it sounds like the Rebbe basically said. And here's, uh, right in the end, so the Rashba end up saying, yeah, that's true, but the Babli rejects it because it's right. The Rebbe rejects it because it's not true the halacha. Um, here's what he ends up saying, which is interesting. Right? He says, uh, I think that, the, that we can try and make the, uh, make the Babli's shot in the Mishnah stand up. The Ib Kiperish Yerushalmi, Mahu Et Elami Boile. So he says, ah, you know what, the Bavli makes sense because what the Yerushalmi's version can't explain is the singular. Tasokra to umanin, plural, singular. So that must be the poem each other because of the Balabai and umanim, it should be hit azet eluva eluetzet. Okay, so he says, oh, maybe the Bavli makes sense. But then he says, no, Elisha sof sof. But at the end of the day, he says, no, the Yerushalmi is right. Even if we force the explanation of the Mishnah, no more. It doesn't matter whether they're regular workers or if the workers had an, if there was an agent. Right? The end of the day, end of the day, um, End of the day, right? The um, in the end of the day, you can you can work the Rishalmi in because you know what, it says Paul in plural, but it um, but 
that just that's just because it's common. And the, you know, the case doesn't matter whether it's plural or plural. What's in the Havan, You know, what the language would have been that would have implied reciprocity. Yeah, it would have had to be zeh elu elu right? So it's not neat, right? So at the end of the day, the kasha on the Bavli is really good because this intermediate figure doesn't show up, and the kasha of the shalom is not so good. Um, right, so Shein compares to Bavli, lo yidana hasoker my shaykhecha. What's this, right? If the Bavli's right, who needs hasoker tumnim? Who needs that now? Sharehu enu matzev lo muteh. He's not part of the character at all. Vedina bat az polim hadadi lo tali biyotam skurim etzel balabayis. And he's irrelevant. The workers trick each other. It doesn't matter whether there's an, a third party or not. Vachi avlim lemeimar hapolim shitu zezeh. Talmud Yerushalmi Nicha, but the Bal Yerushalmi makes sense. Okay, so he ends up saying, look, the Yerushalmi is pshat. What he does with Halakha, I don't know. But wasn't your argument in the Bavli to begin with that the maskana of the Bavli is that, you know, we, um, that, that whole, all those Yerkimtas are not pshat in the Mishnah. Right. And they're just brought there, maybe, Halakha. Right, so the Bavli agrees that it's not pshat. Um, yes, although the Bavli rejects the possibility that pshat is, it means hitu and it's zeh zeh. Right. Right, so that's where he said, that, no, that is pshat, right? So they're still ending up with a pshat that the Bavli rejects. Right, that, right? I think that at the end of the day, right, the Bavli says there are two choices, either you make hitu mean chazru, or you introduce the middleman. And Yerushalmi says, no, hitu means hetu, and we don't need the middleman. Right, if you read the Yerushalmi the way the, the way the the, the Ravid and the and the Ritva did, or you can reread the Yerushalmi. Again, I don't know what happened. Right, maybe that's how our Yerushalmi happened. Because right, because it didn't right, because you couldn't end, you couldn't leave the Yerushalmi looking like it just totally disagreed with the Bavli. Right, that could be that's how our Bavli was created. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I could say, look, I know that there is a Yerushalmi that looks like what the Ritva says early. You know, but I don't know when our first text first appears. I don't know. I don't know how it happens and. Trying to figure out what the original text of the Yerushalmi is is often uh, a marathon. Okay, um, in the end, right, so I give you Rashmal Chaim, Chaim Dykes, that's page five, right? So he also tries to um, tries to come up, right? This is a, a, a late 19th century, early 20th century shot. So you'll see what he does is to make it make sense, is he reverses the numbers in the first case, right? So they look at right in in the the, the first the first um, right row across. He changes ten to five and five to ten. Right, that's why I crossed out the five. Right, that's an argirsa, and it gave you the ten. Um, all right, so that's that's a uh, right. So that that's his way of getting the text to make sense, and by um, right by by flipping the cases, he avoids the pneumotious problem of trying of introducing kablanos, and so maybe he's right. Right, there's a way to make our to make our uh, right to make our yishalmi. Uh, right, he has a way of constructing the cases. And here's what he says about it. Dilan, right, under the text, he says, Sham Masik Bibois Ema, the Paris from Masnisin Vihitu Zeze, Hainu Shachazru Zebeze, Mikoach Hachto Sefto. Okay, so he says, in the end of the day, right, the Babli says, we can make Zeze work as long as we say it's talking about Chazru, and we prove from the Tosefta that Hitu can mean Chazru. So now he reverses the question. Vim Kain, my Dachakola Yushalmi, so he reverses the question. If the Bavli really proves the case that Hitu means, right, Hitu can mean Chazru. So why doesn't Yerushalmi learn like the Bavli, right? That's right, that's guess what I, right, what I said is that in the, there's no question the Bavli's interpretations of Hitu are a force, 
But the Brisa does prove that the Hitu Kimin Chazru, so I thought the Bavli really ended up with this last proof, right? With this la- I thought the only serious option of the Bavli was the last one. So he says, look, it's a really serious one. Now we're supposed to asking, why does the Bavli force everything? Now we ask, why does Yerushalmi force things? Right, why does Yerushalmi just follow Tosefta? So his answer is, right, he says, Velule de Mistafina. If I weren't afraid, uh, right? So you always know the line, right, is that Lanios uh, Dati is I have a Kiddush, and Mustafina means I have a very big Kiddush, <laughs> which I learned because my first Spacious Book article had lots of Laniyos Dathis in it, and they made me take it out because they said they weren't Kiddushin. <laughs> uh, right, false humility. Um, false, false humility. Yes. The Lulu Mistafina, the Hadik Amar Rishalma Hit Uzed Zemahu, Lo Koi Bezel Farish Masnisin, Elabai Hizu Bechi Hagav de Mahu Adin. He says, well, I think the end that we're going to say is that the Yerushalmi, even though it sounds like it's using the language of the Mishnah, it's not actually explaining the Mishnah at all. Nor is it explaining a, 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 a hypothetical b'risa. It's just asking the question. What would happen if they were really matzah And now, since we don't have... Now, in our, um, in our Mishnah, we have, we, our Mishnah ends with an answer to that question, right? If we're explaining the Mishnah, so we know the answer of Hidrozezah is taromet. But if we no longer explain the Mishnah, so then we just have a question, and the answer is, Benisharbisvika. So now we write that Rishami has a radical halachic ending. Rishami says, we don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's taromit, maybe it's more, maybe it's less. So what do we do when there's a savik? We say, So he ends up saying that Rishami has a, right, Rishami comes to a halachic conclusion, which he thinks is very likely correct, because it's dealing with a case the Bible doesn't discuss. Right, since the Bavli understands the Mishnah as being either about whether there's an intermediary there or when it's, right, or Chazru. So the Bavli never discusses the question of what if they're Hitu Zedzeh. The Yushalmi, right, the Yushalmi does discuss the question, just, right, just doesn't think it's Chad the Mishnah. So now we have a new radical halachic position. in all these cases. As opposed to our previous thing where we said the Bavli rejects the, right, the Bavli didn't learn that way because it knew what the halacha was and the halacha was impossible. Uh, right, because right, that's why the Bible rejected a shot in the Mishnah. Once we move it away from shot in the Mishnah, so then the Bible has no position. And we have a whole new radical halachic position. Okay, so be aware, right, you know, that how, right, how you, right, it sounds like it's an innocent discussion, but it turns out like we could, if we were dealing with real cases, right, we could construct whole halachic universes out of, the, right, out of the way they shot and learn, because, the, right, the Sivas Yerushalayim has a, right, has a claim that the Bible, the Yerushalmi discusses something the Bible never did. And it has an outcome. And so all the cases we thought we knew answers to, we don't anymore. Okay, so as I said, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think this is how people learn the Yerushalmi. But now we're going to get to a sugya where there's no way to avoid the Yerushalmi. I'm going to get on this start sheet. And here I need your help because I have, uh, here, it's not doable on pure formal terms. And I have, I, have, I have stakes, so I'm much more nervous about whether my interpretations are correct. <laughs> um, so I need your help figuring out what it is. What it really means. Uh, and I'm upfront that there is a bubbly that is relevant, which will come up in the Ephronium, but I don't want you to see the bubbly. Can I just ask about where, where you ended? So, yeah. um, at the time that the Mishnah was being compiled, right? Yeah. So there, they, there, was, there was the Mishnah, right, that's the Sefta, whatever, right? And there was a conscious choice as to what to include in, in the Mishnah, right? So, in a case like this where you have 
commission and Tisepa that are saying similar things but using um, distinctly different language. Yeah. So this probably at least is assuming they must mean the same thing and just have used different language. And for some reason, they chose to incorporate the one that had less clear language. Right. Alternatively, you could say the fact that they chose to the Mishnah as opposed to the Tosefta is specifically because it's telling you a different case. Could be, or it could be they didn't have access to the Tosefta at the time that they compiled. Right, they compiled the Mishnah. Could be the Tosefta developed later as a commentary of the Mishnah. Yeah, at least, you know, if, if I were, I guess, you know, if I were still doing graduate work in, right, in Talmud, you know, so I would tr- probably try to prove it to you. But uh, Professor Yaakov Elman, Allah HaShallah, used to keep, you know, keep telling me, don't worry, negative results are also results. But it was frustrating because that's why papers ended up, always ended up saying that you can't prove anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, we just don't know. We just really, we really, really just don't know. So, you know, my first paper, which I'm still very excited about, probably you'll hear the full shear of me on this, you know, like if you hang out with 60 years, you'll hear the shear 20 times. Uh, right, so one, like, one of the most famous phrases that we all know, because all the time is, um, is, Koch Tater Adif. Right, have you all heard the phrase? Mm-hmm. And the way Koch Tater Adif is explained to you, because what Rashi says in the Gemara and Beza, is that it takes more shoulders, right, to be, right, to be lenient. And therefore, if somebody takes a lenient position, you poskin like them, because they have shoulders, right? They really mean it, whereas uh, a machmir position could just be hedging your bets. Everyone learns it that way. But, anyone remember right, which position is the, is the Koch Tetera in the Gemara and Beitza? It's, it's Shammai, right? It's Beit Shammai! <laughs> Guess what? We don't pass in that way. <laughs> we really don't pass in that way. And now, Koch Tetera is always the end of a sugya. It shows us six times, I think. The sugya always goes like this. We have, uh, we have the Mishnah, and we're trying to figure out why the, right, the Mishnah could have il- as Mishnah has a principle and it could illustrate the principle, uh, and that Mishnah has, has, a, has an issue, and that issue is a, is, is a machloket. And it has to pick which case to illustrate the machloket in. And it could pick the case that illustrates the extreme of the makil position, or it could pick the case that illustrates or the extreme of the machmir position. Right? It's just a choice of, it's a, of case in the Mishnah. And so six or seven times, the, uh, the Gemara asks, yeah, but why did you pick the case to illustrate the extreme of the lenient position? Why didn't you pick the case to right, the case that illustrates the extreme of, of the machmir position? And the answer is kochta teradif. That's great, except that there are eighteen sugyot where that structure appears. And guess what happened in the other cases? We do pick the, the machmir position, and so we don't end up saying kochta teradif. Nobody ever asks. Hang on a sec. Shouldn't we say kochta teradif? So who's right? So who knows the end knows what it means? Uh, right. The one thing we, the one thing we know it doesn't mean is the thing that Rashi seems to say it means. Because it's about Bejamai. Uh, okay, negative results are results. <laughs> yeah, I tried very hard. I, like, you know, I, did, I did all the work. You know, look, maybe it's, it depends by historical period. Maybe it depends by yeshiva. Maybe it right. At the end of the day, very tough to do. Okay, so with all that, right, that depressing outcome. But it really matters what the next Yerushalmi means. Okay, it really, really matters, to me at least. Um, so let's go through it together. Okay, so now this is, this is, um, this is the Yerushalmi on the next section of Mishnah. It's not on the line, Hasochar Tumanim Vehitu Zedzeh. It's on the line, right? Hasochar Tumanim Vichazru Behen. 
Okay, so here we know there's no there's no hatoya. It's about chazara unless we want to make chazara mean hatoya, which is very hard to do. Um, and Allah is in balabayas the chazru bahen here right here is plural, right? So according to one of the chazru bahen, yadan la tachtona right or al tachtona depending right depending which gears of the mission you have. In balabayas chazarbo yadol tachtona. Kol hamishana yadol tachtona that may not matter to us at all. Okay, so it's pretty clear from the Mishnah, Salah, right, that there's one principle which is an egalitarian principle that applies equally to Paulim and right, to Umanim and Balabayit. If you're Choser, you lose. Okay, which is not the same thing at all as a line which says, right, Enlem zel zel taromet sounds like the person who's choser wins. Right? You're choser, and the other person only gets has a taromet against you. Yadal tachtona means you're choser and you lose. So we have an, right. So if the first line of the Mishnah, if once we say hitu means chazru, then we have a right that we have it appears to be attention to the Mishnah. If we say hitu means hitu, we have no problem at all. Okay, so this is another reason that we might think that the simple pshat in the Yerushalmi makes sense, because the simple pshat in the Yerushalmi, the first thing is talking about Hitu, and this is talking about Chazru, and there's no tension. But if we learn that Hitu means Chazru, the way the Bavli ends up, then the Mishnah is in contradiction. Okay, so you have to decide that. But if you, so if you learn the Yerushalmi the way that the Pnei Moshe did, so it turns out that the Yerushalmi also read the Mishnah as being about Chazru, and so the Yerushalmi also assumes the contradiction. But if you learn the, if you learn the Yerushalmi the way the Right, the way the way the Ritva did, there's no such there's no such claims. So we have to start off, right? What we did last sugya affects we do this sugya because we we start this sugya by assuming that this Mishnah that the Mishnah contradicts itself and there's a machlokit, or do we not? Okay. Here's what the right, so the Gemara on his and here I am happy to report there are no textual issues at all. Everyone agrees, so far everyone agrees absolutely what the text of the Yerushalmi is, so we don't have any excuses by claiming the text got messed up. Um <laughs> uh, and we'll see if it helps at all. <laughs> and once again, the Yerushalmi has a beautiful structure, a really simple structure. The structure is as follows. We have a position of Rav, followed by a position of Rav Yochanan. Then we have an, al, right, an Aldate de Rav, an Aldate de Rav Yochanan. Aldate means we're spelling out the implication of a position. So it seems like a pretty straightforward structure. Okay, they, right, there's a little bit of a problem because the first one is Rav Amar and the second is Amar Rav Yochanan. Normally, we expect, in the Bavli, we expect the first position is Amar Rav and the second is Rav Amar. Um, right? So, but nobody that I know of cares here. I can't tell you why, and I don't know if I care. Here's what the position, here's what they right, say, right? To explain something about this section of the Mishnah. We assume that, the, we're going to assume that the, um, that the Mishnah breakups, even though you know those are late, we're going to assume that we have correctly identified within, right, that the Yerushalmi here is commenting on this section of Mishnah. Okay, could be like could be that's right. That could be a mistake also. But so far as I know, this is this is this is a given. And generally, we're going to work on the assumption that when you know whatever that whenever everyone assumes something is obvious, then that's probably true. Okay, so here's Rav says, "Kili b'nei Yisrael avodim, ein Yisrael konin ze'etze." There's a pasuk in right in I forget where which 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 uh, in Bahar I think. Kili b'nei Yisrael avodim. Avadaihem, right? God says, B'nai Israel am I Avadim? And from this, Rav learns that Jews can't buy each other. Any Israel Konin says it. 
Okay. Anybody read anything in the Mishnah about people buying each other? Well, if you allow the Balabaya to, you know, have the workers enter into a contract and then he could change the terms of the contract at will, that's in some way an equivalent. Aha. So it works one way. Right? So we can see Klebesh al-Vadim, right, should, should work as a limit on the, on the capacity of the employer to change the terms of the contract, because if an employer can change the terms on the contract of a contract without penalty, that turns the workers into slaves, you're not allowed to buy slaves. Anybody what, what there's a big problem to start with, isn't there? Anytime I say, this must be the halacha because it's us to buy slaves. Your answer should be? Hang on a second, it's not optional to buy slaves. There's a whole parsha. Parsha is Right? Well, now, no, but, but that's a different, but that's, that's a different kind of opinion, right? I mean, is it... But we say here, right? That's the, that's right. Whatever that opinion is, that's what's us or no? Well, no, because no, no, I think this would be, you know, essentially tricking somebody into the time. Aha. So... There are certain kinds of employment relationships that are worse than slavery. Or more well, did, you also have to distinguish between the Ebed Ivri who sold to the ostriches of Satan due to having to pay off certain yeah. obligations versus just buying people in the marketplace, which is... Which is still mutter too, right? It's only mutter, not for Jews, but for... That's not true. Well, we have makru bezin and makru satsmo, right? We have two categories of Ebed Ivri. You do. Right? Yeah. So, look, so God has, like, God has a sense of humor, right? And that's why, right? So right after he says, right after the whole beautiful thing of the Asterisk and Ibrahim, right? The next thing that happens is, right? So that, right, that, that, you know, I assume God has a sense of humor. You're supposed to, right, you know, you're supposed to notice the contradiction. Uh, right? This is one of the cases, right, you know, where it's just ridiculous to start worrying about unified authorship, right? Because this is, right, this is set up to be that way. And right, so something about the way the Torah is creating this economic system is some kind of compromise, uh, right? And then you have, right, and then they, and then, and then Chazal play out the compromise by saying, and you know what, there, there are more boundaries to Parshas Mishpatim than are in Parshas Mishpatim. But what those are is very hard to figure out. Okay, so, right, so what Arya says, I think, is plausible. That Rav says there's something about the line Kili Bnei Yisrael Vadim that should limit the power of employers. All right, that, that makes sense? Okay, Rabbi Yochanan says, Evan Ivrihi Masnison. What on earth does that mean? Just on your own, right? What would you think it means, right? So Rav says, Kili b'nei Yisrael v'adim. The pshat in the Mishnah is that Jews can't buy each other. And Rav Yochan responds, Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Is he literally trying to say that our Mishnah is talking about a case of Ebedivri, which doesn't seem to be the pshat? Yeah, so we don't, right? So two ways. One is to say our, our Mishnah has no kimta that is talking about Ebedivri, which is a hard way to, right? Or the other thing is to say that he rejects Rav. Rav says that there are limitations on employers' on employers' capacity, power because 
uh, right, because you can't buy slaves. And Rabbi Yonah says, what do you mean? There's a whole partial gold of ivory. It doesn't make any sense to claim that, that employment is going to be worse than, right, than, than that. Well, but... Yeah? But then how does... If everything in the mission is talking about, you know, the limitations of the power... Well, this section of the Mishnah, right, we said we started off saying it right, is egalitarian. Right, but he, but so yes, but saying that a poel can't abuse the the um, Baal, yeah, you know, doesn't say anything about uh, yeah abduth or not. But but saying that the balabayit has there's a limit to what he can do with his poelim, right? It does. So that, that's right, so it's hard to figure out what the relationship is between Rabbi Yochanan and the Mishnah. It's hard to figure out the relationship between Rabbis and the Mishnah, right? They, right both Rabbi and Rabbi Yochanan, right, Rabbi and Yochanan appear to be having a dispute about the extent to which uh, employers can, can, right, can change terms on employees, but the Mishnah is an egalitarian rule about whether people can change terms of contract. Then what can you have the Yaldapes are the opposite of what they should be? Pardon? Yeah, we were going to get there. I haven't even gotten there yet. I haven't even gotten there yet, right? But I'll just write, but I'm, I'm trying to, like, we're being very naive, right? We're trying to read it line by line, right? Line by line, right? We read the Mishnah, and it was pretty clear to us what the Mishnah meant, but it's possible that the Mishnah is controversial. And we read Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan, and we have an idea of what it means, but what it means doesn't relate to the Mishnah at all. Right? Also, we don't know what Rav, what Rav Yochanan does with Rav's drasha. What does Kili B'nai Yisrael Avadim mean? And, right, does he just reject the idea that it's right? He just say Kili B'nai Yisrael Good, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that, that you can't be someone else's Evid too. Well, it's not as strong a question as what does Rob do with Parshish Shabbat? And it's not as right. That's very good, right? So there's the, my bias coming out, right? It's not as anywhere near as strong a question as what Rob does with Parshish Shabbat. In Hachinami. Uh, in Hachinami, absolutely right. Uh, right. What does he mean? Any Israel quoting says, uh, "How could that possibly be?" Okay. And as already pointed out, what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says, "Al dati de Rav, bein poel bein balabayis yachel lachzerbo." According to Rav, both sides can withdraw. Not the pshat of the pshat of the Mishnah is if one changes, then they lose. So first of all, how does Rav relate to the Mishnah? The Mishnah sounds like you, neither side can withdraw. And we say, Rav, Rav says both sides can withdraw. And second Rav Jess is here saying that... Well, maybe what Rav is saying in the Drasha is that for Eved Ivri, it's not a permanent acquisition. Right. By design, it, it's temporary. Right. Um, and uh, so just like uh, that arrangement is temporary, all contracts have the capacity for reneging. Okay, except for the contracts of Evadivri. Oh, and Evadivri can also, after a certain, after uh-huh. years or after 49 years, there's, uh-huh. there's a procedure to make it la'olam, but that's not what God wants. Okay, right? so we can claim that Rav thinks that there can't be contracts binding on Poalim more binding than they would if you had made an Evadivri contract. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm saying. Okay, so that's right. I was how that relates to the Mishnah yeah. and what more binding means. Right? But yes, I, you know, that would be great. 
I have I have a great I have I have much fondness for that approach. So, but, yeah. So what have you guys done? You, you know, whoever you're done, you're done. Yeah. Kona means are you saying it means they can't they, they in fact can't retract? And it's close their book. He's like, well, he wants to retract. Yellow Kona means you can't. Sorry, you can't. Or does it simply mean he if he wants to retract, then he's going to be at a disadvantage in terms of whatever compensatory negotiation takes place. Great. So that's a fair question also, right? What, what, you know, so, there's a, so there's a secular concept, right, we call specific performance. Right? Specific performance means that if I, right, that if I hire you to do something, then I can compel you to do it. Right? Not just I can compel you to pay me for not having done it, right, but I can compel you to do it. So generally, in American law, we don't recognize contracts as binding for specific performance. Because, altogether, that would be slavery. slavery. <laughs> right? That would, right? That would, right? That would be slavery. Right? So generally, right, generally we have an opposition in American law to specific performance contracts. But we don't have an opposition to, right, well, we do. So we also have in American law, I should say, we have, a, we have a deep suspicion of what are called penalty clauses. And penalty clauses are where I say, I will do this. If I don't do this, then I will, um, right, then I will pay you a sum not as compensation for your loss, but as a fine for my wrongdoing. So generally, under the Uniform Commercial Code in America, we don't enforce those either. Uh, right? Because we think that those are disguises for slavery. Um, but we do allow you to, right, we do allow you to sue for the damage caused by your failure to show up. How we calculate that, right? So we saw all the ways in our previous mission we could think of it how to calculate what the loss, what right, what the losses are, and we don't necessarily bound. American law may not treat the transaction cost of having to find another worker as free, the way halacha se- right, the way halacha seems to is only a taromit. But basically, we get that. So we could say that you know what, whatever the makhlukit is here is irrelevant to the mission because the mission right everyone assumes that there's no specific performance. The only question is what costs are you assessed for failing to specifically perform. And yet again, all this seems totally focused on the employee. On the employee, and we have right the Mishnah is right as we said goes both ways. So, maybe, but right, it's very, it's very tempting to um, right to, right, to to read it that way. Just we have to figure out, like you know, do we do we really think it's reasonable that the Machlokas Amaraim is not directly related to the Mishnah at all? It's a background thing. Could be. Right? You know, I don't know enough Yerushalmi to know whether it is. In, you know, if I knew enough Yerushalmi, right, so we just have the argument in 50 places instead of in one. Uh, right? have the same argument every time. Okay. What does Rabbi Yochanan say? That was an astonishing thing. Rabbi Yochanan who says, right, sorry, he says it's backwards. Rabbi Yochanan says, claiming, saying that our Mishnah is about Evidivri means that the capacity to renege only goes one way. Now, initially, you look at me and you'll say, hang on a sec, no, if the mission is talking about slavery, so then, all the more so, we should emphasize the restrictions on the employee and not on the employer. But now, you will go back to what Rabbi said, and if you have an evidivri, right, so an evidivri can buy his way out of his contract by, by, by paying proportionally. But the owner can't take the money, can't say, no, I'm sorry, I didn't, want to, I didn't actually want to pay you for six years, I only wanted to pay you for one. So maybe we actually learn from Evidivri 
right? Exactly, right? As we said, right, there are, that there that there are evidently teaches us restrictions on the employer, not on the employee. And right, and Rav wants to limit the right. Rav actually expands the power of employers by saying that you can't draw an analogy. And Rav Yochanan says, no, the whole point of Evid, of the Torah's rules of Ivri is right is not is to restrict the power of employers, right? That's what those laws are there for. We assume that there's going to be slavery anyway, because there's going to be slavery as long as there's capitalism. Right? The only question is what the rules are. And right, so one of the, so one of the, one of the rules that we put in is that an evidentiary gets paid in advance and you can't take the money back, but he can avoid specific performance by paying you back. So we could learn the sugya that way, right? That you know that that every is our model of enlightened employer-employee law, and applying it to ordinary employment is right is what gives workers power. And right, and refusing to apply it and claiming that employment is distinct from avdus is what ends up with unfettered uh, right with unfettered capitalist power. There's a big difference in the power dynamic though between those two relationships. An employer-employee. At least from what we've been discussing, um, doesn't always mean that the you know the employee has the lower hand. The employer could be the desperate one, um, whereas an evid you know an evid ivri is is, uh, is always starting from a point of desperation. Um, could be right. So it could be right that you know that you know that you I'm being way too left wing here, and not accounting for the right for the situations where where labor has power. And that's maybe that's what what, what um, Rav, Rav is saying, right? This is, right? It's simplistic to think of all em, employer-employee relationships as fundamentally governed by the laws of slavery. Okay, right? There are enormous stakes as to what this machlokus means. Right? Well, there are enormous stakes as to what the right is, because you can see how this right, how depending on which model you take, right, this is going to ramify through everything we say. And now we have additional problem. Rabbi Yochanan explicitly says there is a difference between what workers can do and what employers can do. Which is, it sounds like there's no way what to, re- to reconcile Rabbi Yochanan with the Mishnah. Again, because the Mishnah's bottom line is, is, is egalitarian. So maybe we can make Rav fit with the Mishnah. But how can we make Rabbi Yochanan fit with the Mishnah? You can't just say he's disagreeing with the Mishnah because it says he must need him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he does say he must need Yeah, well, that's the problem. <laughs> yes, David. Is that what you want to say? Oh, okay. So here we are, right? That's that's our let's t- let's take a first stab at it with the play Moshe. Okay, here's what the here's the play what the play Moshe what the play Moshe says. Rav Amar, Kilibin Israel Avadim, Tama de Hapol Yocholach Zerbokamatharish. He says, Well, Rav is explaining one side of the Mishnah's equation. The reason the pole can be closer both. Because Rav holds that Jews can't buy each other. Right? Meaning that you can't, Jews can't buy each other to be subordinated to each other to the point of being unable to, uh, right, to be chuzirbo. And he has this line, Now that line does not appear in our Gemara. All our Gemara says is, Where does he get the line, from? 
Rashi. Good. Where do you think Rashi gets it from? There's a Bavli. Secret Bavli hiding behind, right, right, secret Bavli hiding behind the wings. Okay, so he knows this. But here's the thing, right? It's not a Bavli in our parish. That's why I start off by telling you, right? I don't know, right? It could be the most important thing for our parish is not in our parish. We have to figure out why. Uh, right? and, and when we get to our, right, our parish, we say, you know what, maybe the reason it's not why is because Rav is in a machloket with Rav Yochanan. Maybe our parish passes like Rav Yochanan. Okay, so not right, but opening thing is right. The Teimosha says that Rav is explaining the reason the pole can be Choserbo, and we are for now left in suspense. Why is it the Balabayas can be Choserbo, according to Rav? We don't know. Okay. I'm Rav Yochanan. Evan Ibrahim Asnisa. Rav Yochanan, Poligale de Rav, Be'inian Okimta de Masnisa. Okay, so now the Teimosha is going to start getting complicated. Right, he notices, as Arya correctly pointed out, he notices that Rav Yochanan sounds like his comment, Rav makes a principled comment. But Rav Yochanan's response is not a principled response, it's an interpretational response. This is what the Mishnah is talking about. So he thinks that the fundamental machlog between Rav and Rav Yochanan has to be about the okimta of the Mishnah, and not about the halacha. It may have halachic implications, but the fundamental machloket is about what is the okimta of the Mishnah. Now that's right, because none of us considered the possibility, right, going through that what they were really arguing about was what the okimta of the Mishnah is, as opposed to what the, what the halacha of the Mishnah is. But he has a reasonable argument, right? Reading the, Mishnah, reading the Yerushalmi closely, that's what it sounds like. So what do we say? To the Rav, the Sfirilei Pol Yochalach Zerbo, uh-oh, Upolig Amas, now it gets really fancy. Upolig Amas Nisin. Rav has an okimta of the Mishnah, and having made the Okimta on the Mishnah, he disagrees with it. Right, that's how the Mishnah says, right? Rav, the Sfirilei Pol Yochalach Zerbo, Upolig Amas Nisin. Now, why must Rav disagree with the Mishnah? Because the Mishnah says Yadol Tachtona. So if we say, hang on a sec, the Mishnah says Yadol Yadol Tachtona, and Rav says something which makes clear that right, which makes clear that uh, when and the Gemara says Bain Pol Bain Pol Bain Pol so Rav must disagree with the Mishnah. Now, how does he understand the Mishnah he disagrees with? So what he says is. The, right, because right, Rav thinks the Mishnah is talking about a poel. So now we have built a whole universe. Right? Rav says that the poel and Balabayas can both be Choserbo. That's incompatible with the Mishnah. So that's fine. Rav Rav puts the Mishnah in accordance with a position that says even a poel can't be choserbo. Right, so now it turns out that we have Rav Yochanan who says a poel can be choserbo, not a balabayat. Rav who says they can both be choserbo, and our Mishnah, which says right, which says a pole, that even a poel can't be choserbo. That's a really interesting relationship between the. Well, as Marty points out, Mishnah just says you can't be choserbo if you are. That is correct, but the Teimosha doesn't agree with Marty, right? <laughs> right, right. So like, watch this. Like, this is an amazing universe he's building, right? He has to say, right, that Rob interprets the Mishnah in such a way that night, right, as taking a halachic position 
that neither he nor Rav Yochanan agrees with. <laughs> okay, what about Rav Yochanan? That would be life, nice and simple to say if Rav Yochanan agreed with the position that, that Rav attributed to the Mishnah, but he doesn't, we know that. Well, when he says, he's saying when Rav says, Ki li b'nei Yisrael avadai, right? Yeah. So now Rav is stating, here's what my idea of the halacha is. The halacha really is, right? And the Mishnah is, is, is wrong. Or yes. The Mishnah is, is wrong. It's, I'm not explaining the Mishnah. Right. Rav's not explaining the Mishnah, mm-hmm. but Rav explains the Mishnah in a way that nobody agrees with. Right? Because Rav Yochanan won't agree with it either. <laughs> right? Now the question is, how will Rav Yochanan explain the Mishnah? Right? Rav Yochanan also agrees he, that, he, that the Mishnah is wrong? No. Rav Yochanan says, right, the Kamar Rav Yochanan, Velohi, you're wrong. Says, no, 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 you're right. You're wrong, right? You're you're you're, you're wrong, Rav. The Mishnah is not talking about Paul at all. The Mishnah is talking about Kablan. So the Mishnah is irrelevant. And Kablan is Yochanan's world is referred to as Nevidivri. And Rav Yochanan says exactly right. Rav Yochanan says that a Kablan is Nevidivri, and a Paul is not. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that Kablan is bound by the rules of Nevidivri, right? It's the other way around. The Kabbalah of Evidivri, therefore, is not bound by the rules of Evidivri, because the Kabbalah is really an Evid. And he can, right, he can be held to specific performance in a way that an Evidivri can't be. Because mm-hmm. an Evidivri has a formula, right? He just pays back proportionally. doesn't matter whether the price of wage of slaves has changed or not, right? It's not Yadol Taftona. But, but, but you know, mm-hmm. the only thing is he just can't just, revert, he can't go back on the contract. Right, so pretty much going to have to stretch it because we said that Evidivri is not really bound in the same way. Uh, we'll have to talk about right what, what it means. How does the Pnei end up right saying that the, that the that a kablan really is an Evid, really is an Evidivri? Right, so it's an amazing, amazing thing, right? So the, how does what's the relationship to the Amoraim and the and the, and the Mishnah? So Rav says the Mishnah holds that nobody can be Choserbo, and I disagree with it. And I think everybody can be Choserbo. And Rav Yochanan says the Mishnah actually says a new halacha, which is that Kablonim and Balabaya can't be Choserbo. And what about Paul? Well, the Mishnah says nothing about Paul, so I can make up whatever I want about Paul. And I decide that Paul can be Choserbo and not Balabaya. Okay, so that's like, what? Really? Is that really what's going on in the relationship between the between the between the Babli and the Yerushalmi? The Babli and the Yerushalmi? Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Uh, right? One is tempted to suspect that um, that the Moshe has lots of Babli in his head, and that right, and that we are doing the same thing we saw in the last sugya, which is right, which is creating massive pretzels to try and get the Yerushalmi to say the same thing as the, the same thing as the Babli. But on the other hand, so far we have not. Uh, come up with um, not come up with anything with anything better and we haven't really finished the, we haven't finished to be fair right the emotion has to go down all the rest of the, the rest of the page so I have to see but I just want to, I want you to get up front like what the amazing structure he's building right is to claim that the first Amora interprets the Mishnah in accordance with the position are we having Mara tonight? yeah okay so uh, right in accordance with the position that no Amora holds in order to disagree with it uh, right, that's it, right. Rav Yochanan makes the Mishnah irrelevant to his position. Uh, what would you do, the halacha, if you have a right, if you have a Mishnah that goes against both Hamaraim, but both Hamaraim know it and do it anyway.
Right? That's the whole. That's the whole uh, mess in its own right. Okay. So we will. We will stop here. Thank you. Wait, but are you, are you doing it on Zoom or is this just recording it for, um, for the podcast? I just